Hello everyone, welcome to the Angus and Jason podcast. Today we are going to talk about this thing called DeepMind and they've made an AI system and it's called AlphaCode and it can write computer programs at a competitive level. Um, so it's like an AI that writes computer programs and it doesn't write web apps or it doesn't write Android apps. What it does is it takes in like a problem, um, a competitive programming problem and then it will actually code like a program that solves that problem. So uh, I guess, I don't know why they do this approach, but it's like very, uh, a very well-defined problem as opposed to like something you get from a business which might be like making a nice website. I mean, it's the structure of the problem, right? Like it's, like a lot of these programs, like it's the same structure. Like they'll, the way they can define uh, the input to the problem, the way they define the output to the problem, and the way they can um, define the problem itself in an English language. Uh, so, just before we go, like, uh, um, I'll let you take over again, but just, like, for anyone who's listening, and this hasn't blown their mind, you are not in the right area. <laughs> like, this, this is insane. This is literally insane. Oh, right? yeah, it's totally insane. Like, like, I'm very, you have like, to... surprised that it can happen. I mean, like, I thought this had happened, but in, like, even I, like, keeping track of AI progress, I thought this would be five years mm. away, or at least. And I'm like, this is here now. This is going to be, like, a whole other tangent we talk about. But seriously, like, as we go through this, like, even for the non-tech, like, especially for the non-tech listeners, this is really big. This is really big. All right, I'll let you continue. Yeah, well, I, you know, Jason, you've got like a PhD in this, so um, I want to ask you, like, <laughs> how, how, right. does it actually understand the problem statement? Uh, you're gonna have to define it. Okay, so like, here. um, like, I, I always thought of like AI and deep, or let's just say machine learning is like you just you have inputs and you have outputs, and then you make some model based on the inputs and outputs, um. Which yeah. I don't think you can do in competitive programming because often they don't give you that many outputs, right? So in in the problem that they provided, there's like um, six inputs and four outputs, which doesn't make any sense. But you know, t- ignoring that, six inputs and six outputs is not enough, right? Um, hold on. I didn't read about the structure. You're talking about the structure of their neural net. That they no, create. I didn't talk about how I it mean, works, but I was just thinking, like, if, like, how would you, how, how do you think it works? Okay, so I haven't <laughs> read about the specifics it of up, it. Um, I'll make it up, and then, like, all the proper academics who know what they're talking about are going to be like, this guy, take his PhD <laughs> off him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think, so it writes computer programs, right? It's actually not. Uh, so much um, it's not like playing chess right where the outputs potentially like refer to like say selecting a piece and then telling it yeah. where to move um, this is actually writing an entire program so without knowing the specifics of that like one approach um, that we were doing when I was at UTS uh, University of Technology Sydney for a bit they were um, there's a lot of popular models and I I would imagine it probably built on something similar. They have um, these neural nets that could learn um, 
to do natural language processing, yep. which essentially this is it'd have to do that because this problem's all in English. So first of all, it'd have to like read all the English, parse it, and then coming back to your question, it has some. I'm not sure. Like understanding is a weird word. Um, it, for just this context, let's just say it understands the problem, or it's transformed it into. It's transformed it into a meaning or a mathematical representation that it's able to understand. Um, and then it'll take that signal into another part of the neural net, um, which then tries to write the program. Um, it's probably not making much sense. But essentially, it can... I don't know, I've seen different models. Like, the ones I was usually seeing were, like, predicting, like, one or two words ahead. So, like, you know, if you... Uh, like, those autocomplete text things, like, when you're texting someone or something, like, that could potentially be yep. that model. Um, although you can build, like, a lot easier ones, maybe just based on yep. statistics. Yep. But they have crazier ones now that write, like, whole articles, like, um, news articles and stuff. Um, yeah, so I think, like, they would have trained it on, like tons and tons of these problems oh, um, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. no so that's it but even before that like what they've done in a lot of these models is they have really sophisticated models that understand language yep. in general and so they've done things where they can like get something to like read in like insane amounts of text from different sources and like uh, i think that's how google translate works like they'll train it on like a corpus of english and a corpus of say, like, another language. I, again, I'm probably wrong. Like, there's more, way more nuance here, but my impression was, I think, they train them individually, and they kind of train them to find a similar representation, and then they have something that, like, translates between them. So they've actually trained probably another neural net for, like, a very popular neural net. Maybe they didn't even retrain it. Um, and it, like, that can basically take English words and transform it into English meaning, so they don't have to retrain hmm. that part. Right to understand the English words, and they have another neural net that then just learns how to write programs. Um, I don't know if I explained that very clearly. Like no, it's, it, I, it's kind of it's, sort of answering my question because my understanding with this kind of technology is you need to give it a lot of data. Or, or, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, all this stuff when, is whenever, insane. Whenever something to do with AI, it usually requires like you know tons and tons of data, and then lots of feeding in the data, and then like correcting or whatever but like yeah like self-driving cars they like give it tons of data about um roads and they film lots of drives and then you know for um ocr i think they parse lots of um they scan lots of books and then they they match it to like actual uh published uh whatever they're called um ebooks um yeah so yeah, I was kind of thinking, how do you do this without without all the data? But then I guess, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You do have a lot of solutions out there. Like, I don't know where they're getting their solutions from, but perhaps this website actually captures the solution when... Uh, I don't know how the website works, but I, I, I would assume, yeah, what you're saying is correct. They get the English text. Yeah, they'd have and a then, lot of solutions. Like, the input is actually the English text. The output is actually the computer program. And then maybe they can... I guess what I'm most curious about here is, like, the evaluation process and how it's trained. Like, I have to go and read this. Because, like, so they're calling this alpha code, yeah. right? Um, 
and we've seen a lot of they kind of use this terminology so like AlphaGo was I think the first big one that like disrupted my PhD where they wrote the big first one and it beat the Go Grandmaster mm. I think it was um, and it like stunned the world and then since then like because usually the other technologies and AI that came along and they um, they did something big like that like when they beat chess I don't think that like started a whole wave of AI like I could be wrong about that and have to double check um, but I think that technology might have been very specific for um, for that. Whereas, like, the stuff they did for AlphaGo, now we're seeing it pop up everywhere. So this is AlphaCode. So, like, essentially a lot of the technology, or the underlying fundamental technology that was built into AlphaGo has been reworked into this, like, in a fairly short time span. And we're seeing, like, other branches of it, like, with translation technologies... Um, I imagine probably the stuff that like helps with Tesla yep. cars and all of that. Um, so it's moving insanely quickly. Um, and does this make you think about the singularity a little bit? Like a little bit. For, you wanted to find that for the no. I think you should because I have, don't have a great idea what it is. You don't <laughs> I do know what it is. But uh, I got a vague definition. I, I think I've only got a vague oh, definition because okay. this is actually where I wanted to take this discussion. So like have. Um, I'll define it and then we'll come back to it later because that's an interesting discussion in itself. Um, And then, okay, yeah, we'll leave that for the... So basically, I think the singularity, I could be wrong, is that it is where I think artificial intelligence is born. I think like true artificial intelligence where it's like self-aware or um, that it's essentially able to improve itself at least if not mm. self-aware so the theory is that like if you have an ai that is able to improve itself then it kind of self-accelerates right that it gets like better and better and better until some theoretical point where it becomes smart enough to become self-aware yep. and then that's essentially a game changer like if you have an ai that's super intelligent With- it's probably beyond the hands of humanity yeah, control it, I, at that point. I, um, maybe it's not part of the definition, but I think a lot of people speculate that if if this did happen, it would actually be a very bad thing. And um, you know, let's come back okay, to that. Okay, let's come back okay. to that. We'll talk about the article, and we'll come back okay. to the singularity. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, um, in the article, they also mention, um, you know, there already exist i guess you could say commercial products that um that are kind of like programming assistants and it's a kind of a bummer because i actually haven't tried any of them but there's one that's um built into microsoft i think it's part of visual studio and um a friend of mine seriously yeah a friend of mine earlier this week was telling me that the auto completions that it gives you are, are really good and um wow it's so good that you know it saves you a lot of time right um (laughs) until <laughs> you're like not even have a job <laughs> it saved me all the time <laughs> well that's yeah. a sad thing like, I, I, like industry programming is like often you're not even programming you're just like kind of chasing somebody for like you know access to something chasing somebody for sign off or um, yeah you know waiting for builds to pass so like the actual amount of coding you do and actually the difficulty of the coding you do is actually often not hard right um I guess it's different from where you worked, where yeah. I worked. Yeah. Like, we were 100% programming. Um, and you guys were yeah, also free, we were just right? Like, like, th- whereas where I worked, I worked in a large corporation, 
and they kind of put up all these yeah. roadblocks to make sure you can't do naughty things but those roadblocks also um, kind of make your life miserable and make your job harder you know it's stuff like oh if you want to go to production you need to get sign off from these two guys and you have to go to production in this three day window yeah we didn't have any and of that if you find a bug while you're going to production you have to just cancel the whole thing and then you you need to get sign off again you know so um that kind of stuff is yeah I guess so like we didn't have that as much bureaucracy inside of our process other than maybe like just general like working on industry projects what the the clients specifically wanted in their project so you couldn't go like I wouldn't say maybe you couldn't but like the the funding or just the the, the mission isn't to like go completely blue sky with it essentially like you are kind of capped on like the maybe technical complexity um and that's still fine like yeah it is a massive amount of freedom yep. in r&d um at least within the university sector um even more so if you're a phd student because you're not even bound by the client then like you just pick some topic and you're like away we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, I guess the reason i brought that up was because um uh, I imagine it wouldn't actually save you that much time because a lot of time, like, just from the bad experiences I had, a lot of time in in corporate programming is not programming. It's just <laughs> annoying stuff. Um, but it is pretty cool, right? Like, um, it these programming puzzles are really hard, and um, I would say doing this is probably a lot easier than doing, um a lot of the stuff you do day to day, right? But I guess another hard part is like getting specifications from someone. It's not very clear, right? Like often, you know, you're, somebody will say, hey man, can you code this feature? And, and then when you go look in the details, you kind of think, wait a minute, there's like six questions I need answers for before I can continue, right? Like um, what about this edge case that they didn't think about? What about this edge case they didn't think about? And um, um I'm, if if an AI could deal with that, that would be fucking incredible. I mean, to some degree, isn't that what it's kind of doing already with competition? No, because it's so well specified. Like um, when you look at the problem, um, no. But if you think about the problem, right? Like like programming problems are like that exact thing. There's like you have to think about those edge cases. Like maybe not in the way that it exists in architectures. I think is what you're referring to. Like when you put a piece of code into an architecture and you just have to be aware that you could introduce bugs elsewhere. But like say within the programming competition, like if you're thinking like as a programmer, like you break down a problem into smaller and smaller pieces and then you think, okay, I'm going to address this piece. And then, but you also have to be aware like subconsciously of the other pieces that's going to interact with, Mm -hmm. right? Of that problem. Yes, but I I think in competitive programming, generally it's really well-specced and you would say, like, if something's unclear, if there's, like, a situation or a data set where there's no clear answer, then actually the problem is wrong. Or, or not the problem's wrong, but the problem is bad, you know, is uh, is badly specified. And, um, you, you know, you get these badly specified problems in industry, um, whereas you don't get those right, in competitive right. programming. So I think... Um, you're saying where the problem statement becomes an iterative problem. Yeah. Like, I guess that actually like, happens in the real world, If somebody says, right? hey, man, um, 
you know, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of. I can't I mean, think of something. Yeah, I, have to do I don't recently. know. Just like design this app, right? Like design this website or something. Like even something really simple. Design this website. I want it to look like. And then you draw up a draft, and they say yeah. And then they look at it, and they go, you know what? I don't like actually the color theme. Can we change that? Actually, can you move that button? Make that bigger? Change that font? Like it's just that, right? And then you do all that, and then you come back, and then they're like, actually, I have more ideas. And this happens within every industry that I'm aware yeah, yeah. of. Like, and, and often, like somebody like will come to you and just say, "Hey, man, we want to do this rough sort of thing," and they want you to spec it out for them as well. They don't. They don't actually know exactly what they want. Um, yeah. It's pretty rare when, yeah, it's, infuriating. when it's really clear <laughs> what you need to do. I mean, maybe it's not that yeah. rare, but um, I think when you're coding a solution, you really have to look. You're the guy that's like, you know, deep in the trenches at looking at the problem. Whereas when you look at it at a high level, you probably think it's easier than it is, right? It's like a very common case, you know. The management kind of says, oh, yeah, we need this thing and they don't realize that to get that thing done requires like oh that happens yeah. all the time as programmers yeah. god does that happen anywhere else as much like I actually I'm thinking maybe that happens a lot for like architects and builders like if they builders, just say like yes. they architects maybe not because like, architects are the guys that just I don't think architects actually care right, right. too much about because they're not building it and, right and yeah also, to be the builders yeah, and also themselves I think architects, it's, it's more it's, maybe it's unfair but I think um their job is more about styling. It's whereas a civil engineer actually has to like design the parts that actually. Oh, this is a really good analogy for people because I think like a programmer is an architect and the builder is the same person because it doesn't like that problem doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Like there's no analogy there because I was going to use the analogy where it's like they've designed a whole building and then someone comes in after the fact and they say now we want a toilet or like. Um, like on some random like location with no plumbing, yep. right? Like that's essentially what it is for a program. It's like, but the architect doesn't care to like even the architect. Actually, that would still annoy the architect because you'd have to redraw all the plans to do all the pipes. And essentially, that actually happens before it gets to the builder stage, unless like it happened as the building was already built and they want to add it later. And then that's like a problem for the architect and the builder. But I mean, like for a programmer, that is one and the same problem, right? Like. Um, they just come to us and they like put a toilet over there and you're like there is no infrastructure going anywhere near that like I have to like basically rebuild the whole fundamental layer <laughs> of this application just to support your one little request they don't understand sometimes yeah, it's significant uh, like, a really good example of that is like oh I want this feature but then when you look at the feature you kind of think um, oh wait I need to make these like let's say you're making your data stores like a SQL database and then you realize, wait a yeah. minute, this is like a one to many, one to many here, one to many there. And then suddenly you've got <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> seven tables you need to make. And <laughs> it's just and then you kind of probably want to test all like the entity creations and you need to model all those tables and you just think, Fuck like <laughs> like oh, you man. know they don't often often people don't yeah. realize how much um work goes into something. I I think an AI would be great for that situation where you it would be great if as a programmer we kind of used AI as like a um, um, like a co-pilot or, or whatever and well that's what's yeah. happening like it was actually interesting there was a theory like when this stuff like when AlphaGo I think first came out I was I can't remember who it was I was listening to I'm terrible with names but like someone was suggesting that like we're in the age of like 
or like it was all about humans and then it was like machines assisting humans but mostly through like machinery and yep. stuff and then we're just starting to see it creep into like helping us with cognitive tasks yep. right which wasn't really a thing um and like for ages like even the machines are taking out uh this is going down the singularity line um sorry i'll come back to that hopefully i can uh, i'll write it down we're so almost I done with that article, anyway I Okay, yeah, maybe I can should, go there. Okay, fair enough. Um, I can't remember what my line of thought was. So, yeah, oh, it was helping it cognitively, and um, there was there was one of our there was a there was some talk about like how we're moving into the age like before like say the singularity where it like just does everything um and we look like little potatoes next to it um we're like eh. or even before they're super smart and they can take over all cognitive tasks and it's not self-aware is that essentially we're moving into the age of like co-assisted like um it's like man working alongside machine yep. And I think that's what we're seeing exactly right now. Like, we've got autocomplete. Like, that's the first stage of it. Um, and we're seeing some tasks where they can take over completely. Um, and I think... I just... I don't know. I thought programming would be one of the last <laughs> areas they were going to crack, honestly. I was like, all the other professions, watch out. But, like, programmers, I think we're safe for a while. We're building the AI. I think one um, reason we're not is because... Um... Uh, we understand that domain really well, right? That, I think that's kind of why developers have the best developer tools. Oh, that's the stupid word. Ha- uh, the developers have like the best software to work with, right? Like you know, we've got like Git, and we've got um, IDEs, and we've got like these sick compilers, and you know, CI/CD, and all this fun stuff. And I think in other industries, they would love to have some of the tools that we have. Like Git is a really good example, right? Version control is like- not. Just massive amount of centralized well, data. It's just, no, like, it's like with Git, you need to really understand like um, how a programmer works, right? Um, so if we were to build software like version control software for lawyers, we would kind of want to really understand how uh, how their their job works, right? So you would you would need to understand. Um, I don't know, like. You'd need like tons of transcriptions from court, but but it's um, it's like writing contracts. Like one example is like I was talking to that. a lawyer friend of mine, and he said, um, yeah, one problem they often have is like what they do for version control is they just lock the whole document. So somebody will come in and they're editing the document, and they just put a lock on it, and then they work on it right. a bit, and then they go out to lunch, and maybe they go home for the day, and then somebody else needs to edit a different clause in that document, but it's locked, and then they have to chase this guy to unlock it. Whereas, but isn't that just like the other industries just don't know about no it's control. not because like, <laughs> uh, so I don't know then? like maybe but I would also say it's because if you understand where uh, I, I, like if you understand what's it called um, uh, let's say you knew that this section is perfectly safe for you to edit you know because you, you understand the contract you say it's perfectly safe for me to go in and change the um, font of the footer, but the stupid document is locked. Then your version control system might know right. that as well. It's like, oh, he's just changing the font on the footer, whereas this other guy is changing like certain clauses in the contract. Um, I think in programming, why why we let people just randomly go in and edit the same stuff is because 
you might have uh, CI/CD, right? You have automated tests, and um, yes, you can break functionality when you merge stuff together badly, or when somebody's overwriting somebody else's changes. But hopefully, your tests will catch that. Whereas in contracts, like Word documents, uh, they don't have that kind of stuff. So, so um, there's tools to be built, like to solve those problems. But because we don't understand their domain. Um, we can't build them. I don't know. I still feel like that's still a little technological. At least your specific example. It feels like they haven't heard of LaTeX and they haven't heard of version control. They definitely um, haven't heard of LaTeX. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think, like, yes, yeah. they probably haven't heard of version control. But if you told them what version control like, does, they would understand, right? Because they have solutions. They just have a very short Yeah, solution. I think... Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of industries are like that. They're all just working off, like, dinosaur Yeah, tech. that's all I'm saying. It's um, like... Because and, and the reason for that is um, because we don't understand the domain, so we don't have the confidence to build. We we get those we get those solutions a lot quicker. Yeah, I think it's that because like, I don't think so. I feel like it's like the older generations that like have a lot of the like the power, um, not power like influence. I guess that's still power, right? They're just like they're the ones who are like in senior positions. And they're kind of stubborn, and they're like, "This is the way we've done things for like X time." But, and no, but there it is works. no solution. Don't for fix them, what's right? not like, broken. If you told them, I just said LaTeX and version like, control. LaTeX and Git. Git is yeah, way too hard for them to use. Like, they, they would hate that. Well, how is it, it hard? It would say like if it's LaTeX, right? Getting, like, like you have like yeah, one. It's, l- it's hard, man. Try getting like a non-programmer to use Git. It's a fucking nightmare. Even even I, no, no, I, I, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it? it was really I, hard. I I guess like it depends on the size of your team because like, a lot of the time I'm just using it by myself so I don't have to do like it also conflicts requires, and like, stuff. Command line stuff, um, right? Like, anyway. But, but, but the other problem is like if you do edit the contract yeah. and you use Git and LaTeX, well, how do you know you didn't break some logic in that contract, right? Or the other thing is like... um. Oh, the, your example was changing the font. And I'm just like, that's an example where it's just like you would come in the next day and you would see changes from the next day. Well, that's it, right? That's version control. It's like he wouldn't accept that into the main branch. Which but what if you could have like automated tests on these contracts? So you're like, ah. You, you know what I mean? Like you move... Well, yeah. Potentially that's something an AI well, could well, do, no, right? It's like that's what you're suggesting. It could also just be like, instead of writing these contracts as uh, text, dumb text... You could write these contracts in a programming language, and then it outputs to DOM text, and then you can write tests against that programming language. Um, wait, 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 wait! Did you just say like we're gonna take real contract, like a civil contract, and then turn it into like a smart contract? Which is code, not necessarily. So smart, it can yeah. be. <laughs> well, that's a smart yeah, contract, yeah, okay. right? <laughs> it's like it's a smart contract, so it can be verified. At a code level, and then reparsed back into a civil contract. Yeah, because like uh, anyway, um, yeah, it would be cool, right? Like because um, but but the problem is like we just came up with that solution, right? <laughs> and if we talked to a lawyer, I mean, like, and told them that <laughs> we're going to solve that's a terrible then, idea. No, no, right? yeah, it might be a great idea. Yeah. You come up to like, hey man, we got the solution for your problem. You're like, you know, um. They might say it's not really that big a deal, man. You just call the guy and say unlock it, and then you go in and encode it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. because we don't understand how painful it, it is, right. and because we don't understand, 
you know, it's not our domain, right? Like, yeah, you can either yeah. get I mean, close in on a lot domain. of the stuff is efficiency. Sorry? It's like it's a cost reward yep. thing, right? Where it's like you're losing efficiency, but what they're getting with that is security and um, like knowledge that they've locked um, this document. So, because like, it, it probably is like a really big deal, like. Yeah, we talk about like if we took a civil contract and translated it into a smart contract, like that's a whole process in itself where a lot might be lost in translation. And like the whole point of their process is that like that they're very clear on the current wording. And so you'd be like transforming it from like English into code, which there'd be potentially lost in translation or mistranslated, and then back from code. Well, I guess if you're just testing it, you only need yeah, to go one way, go right? That's why I was just thinking, like, an AI is just better at doing that in general. Like, it's better... Because it, it handles that transformations in the background. Like, um, it handles for that kind of stuff. It's just that, like, most of the problems with, like... I guess one of the problems today with, like, these neural nets is still, like, the trustworthiness of them. Like, you can't really... It's like a brain, right? Like, you can't know every... What you were suggesting is, like, edge cases. Like, if you have some really weird edge case like we keep seeing we're, and we're probably going to keep seeing like articles around like Tesla cars smashing into mm-hmm. stuff just because they'll get into like weird unique scenarios that it's just like that it sees it and has like a fit scenarios um, like a kid is crossing out. a road and it's like oh man this one's too this one's <laughs> too weird <laughs> he's wearing a clown suit yeah it's like we'd never trained <laughs> on that data never seen can't, a cow you can't expect AI to cover every case <laughs> yeah 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 there was somebody um, that was killed by an AI, wasn't there? It was an Uber AI, I believe. Right. I mean, that's like a whole other interesting discussion. Um, so, yeah, so saying like we're in the age, I think we're just entering it, The like, and I don't know how long it lasts, right? Um, I'd say, like, I was going to say like five, ten years, although like getting to this competitive programming challenge shit is just like happening way, way sooner than I thought. So I'm like, maybe it doesn't last as long as I thought. Um, say like, just say five years, right? Where there's like the golden age of working alongside AIs um, that previously like really cognitively taxing tasks are now like maybe trivialized or, or they just become like, or it just increases the scope of like the project essentially. Um, like it, it, it helps in both directions. Hmm. Um, and uh, I, I kind of jump onto this thought. I, it's like further down the line uh, and I'll come back. But like, I was thinking in the case of singularity, right? Um, and just say, like you go past that point where no one has to work because like this great AI could theoretically just do everyone's yep. jobs. Uh, and so no one has jobs anymore, which is, an economic and social problem at that point, um, problem. which we can talk about. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got, like, multiple layers of problems. It's like, yeah, anyway, just saying, like, if we got to that point, I was thinking, like, do you think at that point, is it possible that, like, there's almost, like, I felt, like, always this rule in nature, which is, like, it's harder to create something than it is to destroy something. I was always thinking, does that flip it on its head? Right, it's actually it easier to create. I mean, like, build oh, a house yeah, yeah, versus yeah, smash it. it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, build an app versus delete it's it. Pretty hard to delete or, like, it, yeah. introduce bugs. 
Um, <laughs> I just yeah, need I like yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Any creative process is usually like orders of magnitude more difficult than destroying it. With maybe I don't know. I can't think of any of this off my head, but I'm sure there are examples where destroying something is. Uh, I mean, creating it is easier than destroying it. Um, but I think they would just be mainly academic examples. I meant like mostly for like as far as society is interested, right? Um, or economic value. Yep. Because like, I was just thinking like, does that, that would be really weird because I feel like that's kind of been a fundamental law of like value, right? To like human beings and scarcity. Um, and essentially that flips that narrative where everyone has abundance like and not just abundance in qual quantity but also quality and also like it is well. everything like it just it destroys that fundamental like that lore a little bit like i'm just thinking like really far out now right like like uh i don't know there's a singularity and it like even if it like happens and you have a super smart ai it's going to take it's going to take a while to take our crummy human tools and then build it into something like some massive manufacturer. It'd just be like one massive gigafactory, like Tesla style, but like, it's just in the ocean. <laughs> it's just like the whole ocean is just one massive factory yeah. or something. Um, and even then, right. You just go, okay. Then everyone could become their own, like mini God essentially. Right. Like it they're would, just like, man, it would oh. be so weird for society. Like I think, we we talked about this in the previous podcast, but what you do is such a big part of your identity and, and your life. And then if you had a situation where nobody needed to do anything, and if you did do something, it's kind of a waste of time because an AI could do it better. Um, I mean, we get to that point a lot sooner than we get to the singularity, I think. Yeah. Well, um, you could so, yeah, well, let's rewind, right? Today, really, because there's so many. There's this book called Bullshit Jobs, and they talk about how there's so many jobs where. Um, they don't need to exist and they're not really adding any value to society and a lot of people have these jobs um and yeah i mean i don't know like once upon a time food production and food getting food was like such a difficult thing and such an inefficient thing and now it's like so incredibly efficient that we have more than we need right um Sometimes, unless it's yeah. kind of lockdowns, <laughs> panic buying. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, you could even say today, like, um, so many people are doing jobs that don't need to be done, and if you had an AI controlling everything, maybe, you know, imagine you had, like, an AI government. <laughs> like, um, But even that's, like, like, I mean, like, you take that in, in like, super AI in any direction, and I think you can have a, a really interested yeah. conversation, because it just breaks everything. Like, it just breaks the laws of everything that you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so, so like, this is rewind to the present. So, we got, like, your co-op, like, we have cooperative AI. And, yeah, we have a lot of bullshit jobs. I, I feel like there's almost a discussion there as to, like, how much of that is maybe economically driven or, like, through um, potentially like economic policies that have been in place for a while uh, and the, just the structure of it versus... I could say tech jobs um, are kind of bullshit people jobs. People being displaced. It's a lot of like... So like what's bullshit like a, jobs? Like a tech... Like, like let's say you work at a startup and it's like a yeah. VC funded startup and okay. so the company's like, 
kind of not profitable, but it's got a lot of money. And it's able to operate for like three, four years. Um, but it. All right. So you're talking zombie companies? No, no, or I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about like um. No. I don't know. Maybe I am, but I don't know what zombie companies are. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like, let's say you come up with some idea and you convince VCs to give you money to build this thing. Um, but the company goes for four years and doesn't actually ever succeed. And it also doesn't, um, like it's never able to make money and it just shuts down after four years. So that would kind of, you could kind of say that's a bullshit job, right? Because um, it didn't, Is yeah, it? because what did you I mean, do? Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like a truck driver, like in Hong Kong, uh, we have this problem where truck drivers are getting COVID and then they're unable to bring produce over the border, right? And so as more, yeah. as as there's like a, a lack of truck drivers, there's actually like a vegetable shortage in Hong Kong because there's not enough truckers to bring the vegetables over. But I was thinking about that. I was like, man, if, if I didn't do my job, and I don't have a job, so <laughs> I'm not. But like, if I didn't <laughs> do my last job, nobody in society would yep. know. Right? All right. I mean... So just on the the other example, sorry, I'm still processing this. I have to come back to the truck one. Um, the talking about the VC, right? It's just like I feel. I'm not sure if that's bullshit because you had VCs who invested money in it, and unless they're just like weirdly masochistic with like losing money, theoretically, at some point they thought the project was going to be yep. a good idea, um, and that meant at least. Unless they're, the founders are like complete scammers and they knew they were pitching like a dead project and they had no intention of working on it and just burning through the funding to like feed their own salaries, like that could be something I would agree with. Um, assuming that's not the case and it's in like goodwill and that they build out a company and they hire people and they just don't actually achieve like lift off essentially and they just burn through all their cash reserves. Like, that's something you can't evaluate until the four years is yeah. over, right? But it like, still doesn't mean... You, you didn't so, add any value to society, right? Like, you, you're not a scammer. No, my, but... my point is... My point is that, like, for, that's how VC works, right? Is they yep. launch, like, 10 companies, and maybe one of them is really good. And that's how innovation works. Is you... If you're... What's the alternative? Like, you don't launch any VC no, businesses, no, and there's no innovation. Just, it just means, like, if you didn't yeah. do that job it wouldn't be negative to society or if you do do that job i don't see it that way i see it as like even if you're part of the 90% of entrepreneurs that fail like you're a necessary oh, I, I see failure you component you're part of like a bigger system right like yeah like you need like potentially that's just competition like maybe you died because someone else yep. was better yep. right it's like you in order, like, like if you just take out the scam component of it, like, if it's actually just, like, failure on competency, I feel like competition, as, as like, a law of nature, requires there to be losers, right? And innovation requires, like, failed shots. Um, and that to look at failed shots, like, to look at mistakes or things like that yeah. and say that they are a waste of time... That's like if you rewind your life and think about all the mistakes you did, it's just like, I don't know how you learn. Like, we, we make mistakes a whole bunch of times. And it'd be easy to go back in hindsight and be like, oh, there was that one thing and I should have done that. 
that like without making the mistakes, you wouldn't have had the well, realization that, that that was the good yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I can see that if you're like, I don't know, if you're like a startup that takes VC money and you're building like some rocket technology, and then you, just as an example, and then you go for four years and you, it doesn't work. You can't, you run out of money, and then um, later down the line, somebody who worked at that company has like knowledge from the failed company and starts a new company, and then they're kind of building on top of the failed startup to you know they're like well that's added value that is like, value, I would still yeah, argue that's even value. If, that's what i would say like yeah it is but i would still argue that even if 90 percent of them failed and no one from any of those companies carried on anything to do with what they were originally working on that they still added value no i don't see how you can like, say that. just in the broad scope i just mean like how do you have i mean there's value in the mistake and there's value in the attempt. Well, then, that, then um, yeah, I guess you could say... There's value in the competition. Um, the hundred people that worked in that company, maybe they learned a lesson from the failure. And then the next time they went to work, they were like, let's not make that mistake again that we made at that company. Then, then yes, yeah, you're right. Then I'm still not even arguing no, no, that. No, no, I'm just... Like, thinking, I must be like... I'm just justifying <laughs> myself. You're trying to agree with me. <laughs> I'm being, like, stubborn. Um, okay, anyway. It's, yeah, cool. Um... I'm, I don't think I'm articulating that very well. Um, or we just agree to disagree. We so, agree, there's... Sorry. We agree to <laughs> <Sorry>. agree. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. We said at, like, at some point in this episode, I was going to ask you, um, you had to do something, right? Uh, disagree with your tangent. Uh, sorry to listeners. We're going to come back to this topic in like all of maybe a minute or two. Um so in the other episode we had a con um a an episode about gratitude and I was thinking of like just other ways of like applying this or just like weird ways and I, I thought like so I wanna see if you wanna do this with me. I wanna like in this week, this next week, I wanna like write down like handwritten on paper and you just have to pick two random people that like something that you're grateful for and you have to give it to them. You don't have to like wait for a response or do anything. You just got to okay. give it to them, and then we'll, we'll talk about it later. I've asked some other people, and they just feel really awkward about it. Um, yeah, I can do that. Like, That's yeah, fine. I don't know. It's a so, bit. Yeah, I can. I, know, I, I want to do mine. Weird, but I, I can do that. Yeah. Who will I pick? It'll be cool. Who will I pick? We'll see. Um, I already got one person. <laughs> I want to do it at the it's cafe kind of creep that I go to. Out. You think it would creep people, people out? Would like, I don't know. Who are you gonna Who are you gonna do? Someone at a cafe? I don't know. I'm gonna do the cafe because there's this meal I have there. No, no. So I'm gonna write it as like a thanks to the, the specifically the, the. I mean, it'll be for the waiter for being there during COVID, and it'll be for the the cook and the way they cook my meal, and also whoever had the recipe for it, and then the owner for having the cafe. So it's like a multi layer one. So like. I guess it's like one gratitude, but it's like for everyone because it's like the whole experience, and it's like it's actually like built around just like when I was thinking about this this egg dish that I was having, and it's like so good, and then I was like, but it's actually more than that. It's like all the people who like contributed to that process for me to be sitting at this table eating this right now, and I was like, I want to write that letter, and maybe it's no, weird. I don't know. I just so want to like you said two random like people. Does that out. mean it's like people that I don't know well? It doesn't matter. There's no rules. You just got to give it to rule. someone. It can be someone you know. Two. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There's two. And it's going to be in by next okay. week. Yeah, um, I can do that. I'm going to see how many more people I can rope this rope into it. Um, and we'll see how it goes. 
And I like I want to like come up with more of these like philosophy challenges or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, all right, sorry. Go back to the original topic. Um, singularity. Singularity. Singularity happens. Um, yeah, like I think I was listening to someone. There's someone who was talking about this. Um, as like that, like uh, a, a technology in general is like deflationary. Um, yeah, and as you said, like if if AI takes over all jobs, like we've been seeing that happen for a very long time, like with yep. machines, it's not AI, with the industrial machines. age. Yeah, yeah, mostly. But like even now, I think we'd probably like say like Amazon, right? If they, I could see almost overnight if they are able to like get the robotics mm-hmm. online you could just see them just like cutting their entire well, workforce, the warehouse basically, workforce right, right? Yeah, yeah yeah it was a huge mean, component so i think i read yeah, yeah. somewhere um i have to look it up but I th- it was something crazy i didn't realize how many people they employed as i was talking to a different friend about this um and about say like left versus right politics um and i hadn't realized just how uh, how many they were employing? Because like generally the the rights response is um, that those people are free to choose their jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't like Amazon, they should leave. Um, and then you look at actually, well, there's just not there's <laughs> just right. not that many other jobs. Amazon actually pays right? well. They just treat Does you it? badly. I thought it would... Is it? I thought they tra- like treated and paid you badly. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't really matter. The point is that theoretically AI could come in and just just like those jobs are gone. And then like, is this just about the state of the AI and how robust it is, right? And how trusted it is? Because you could imagine it would just come for certain professions, right? It would just be like, if you're an accountant, you're gone. Or if you're... I don't, uh, I don't like some of this has aren't already gone. Like, what the hell is their job? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like accountants have other roles to play other than just like <laughs> adding what? up numbers. It's, I mean, it's actually like they have they're aware of tax yeah. law yeah. and like regulations around businesses and things, um, and company structure. Yeah. Like, so they have a lot of other nuanced things that actually tie into the legal system that go beyond just like I don't think actually very often. The accountants are actually counting the numbers because, yeah. like, they already have programs that like do that. Um, although, like, this is a side tangent, but I still don't know how today how finance is like so ridiculously complicated uh, and how like opaque it is. Right? Um, it's just God. Some of the things I've had to do with finance, I'm just like, if the common person had to do this, you would just give mm-hmm. up. Um, like, and even I, yeah. You give it to an accountant, and maybe it'd be like a f- full year's wage <laughs> for them to calculate it. Um, it's like this is insane. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is going with this. So, like, essentially, we're in computer aided um, people, and it. I think to a certain degree, does that become a golden age? I feel like there might be the golden age. Maybe right? now, where you're working a, l- um, or I feel like we're entering into it, right? Um, computer aided stuff like we've been using computers but like not with the cognitive aid as yep. much right and i don't we're only like right on the cusp of it where it's auto completing but imagine like 
the way I like to imagine it is like if you took if you had like one of the smartest people that you knew in your field or your industry and they were sitting next to you or you're wearing a headset and they're talking to you all the time and giving you advice. It's like as you're like writing some code, it's like, oh, that looks like a bug. Oh, did you think about this? Oh, did you think about that? Right? Like just imagine if they were able to do that. Like it, it, it'd be interesting to see how that turns into a product. Um, right? Yep. But like because we're seeing it mostly developed as functions through programs, which makes sense. But I think that as they're able to interface, as you said, like with the programming, this specific article where they're able to understand the context of the problem and like, because at the moment, a lot of the stuff is they don't understand the context of the problem. So they're unable to offer advice, right? All they're able to do is like, you give them constraints um, and some mathematical way of like defining the problem in like certain industries. Like you say, I want to make a building this tall and I want to maximize the amount of light that goes into hotel rooms. Like maybe an AI can like do that, but you have to, like it was designed very specifically mm-hmm. to do that. Because if you start to get AIs that are more cognitively um, better and like if they are actually, they're aware of the contents of like the client contract or something, um, or like maybe even like more nuanced than that, right? Like maybe they're aware of like the relationship of your company to their company or the other company's stock price and they're like they know they need to like push out this project early or they're aware of like macroeconomic events and they're like we have to order we have to push this order through in the next like couple of months in order to secure supply of like lumber or something before prices move or something like it can get like really really nuanced um in a way that like when you're sitting there and you're making your one decision you're not aware of like really big picture stuff. And even if it's like, even if it just starts on that little, like that's what we're saying at the moment with autocomplete is it's just helping you in your one little area. And I feel like every year we're going to see it creep a little bit bigger, like their scope. Right. Um, And as I said, if it's coming for programmers, like I'm not sure what's safe. Right. Um, (laughs) That's, that is quite interesting to think about. Right. I there was this BBC yeah. article where they they had um a UI where you could put in your job and they tell you how likely automation is going to wreck you. Um, yeah, and I think they said programmers is pretty unlikely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tried right. to find that article. Um, BBC. Um, I mean, this is still like AI a niche example of this. Your job, I but I don't think that's a really great. Uh, yeah, will a robot I mean, take your job? Robotics is still struggling, right? Yep. It's it's actually it's interesting that I feel like AI has grown faster than robotics. Like maybe I shouldn't be surprised because like one exists in just purely computational world, but I thought like being able to harness cognitive powers would be harder than mastering the physical plane. Like it seems like they're really struggling with robotics. Um, so that's interesting like if you look at the leaps and bounds that we've gone through actually it's maybe not completely right because a lot of the robotics um, improvements have also been using the same AI technology right Um, so yeah so like if we go to end goal right like no one's got a job and then like what does that look like right because 
does you like because I would imagine that it would start like it would start from today, right? And you just see like a, I feel like this trend where it's like the biggest players in the field are the ones who monopolize on it, right? Because they have all the the funds, they have all the patents, the the, what, uh, what's, the talent. What's the point of having like all the funds when nobody needs to do anything and everyone has like a really high quality lifestyle? But I mean, it doesn't get there, oh. right? I mean, like it. It could go like because you got to think of it, it's going to be a like if you go straight to yep. the end point, yep. then you're like okay that's what it looks like. No one has jobs, and we have factories that can produce whatever we want in any amount that we want. Um, but I mean, like if you go on the road there, which is like okay, you get Amazon, it builds robotics, it cuts all those people out, all those workers, they have no income now. So they can't actually buy the products from Amazon to make well, money. Well, I think in that situation, like, you, if you would have something like UBI or like, you know, products are... Yeah, I think you, you might have UBI. I, I don't even know. Maybe everything's just free. There's a lot of stuff today that's free that wasn't free once upon a time or just so much, so cheap that it's effectively free, right? Like like music, right? Like what? Oh, and, right. Um. But that's because it exists in the digital domain. But you're saying because the physical goods will become so yeah, it's because um, the cost of so easily accessible. Like, I think a, a big portion of how much something costs is like how many how many people you have to pay to build it. And if it's zero, then um, maybe stuff becomes so cheap that um, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting actually. Like. What if you get to a situation where nobody has a job, like even the government? Like, <laughs> imagine like there's one AI just deciding what the whole of the world does. I mean, like, what does the government even do at that no, point? I, mean, right? I would say like, that would be. You think about like, you know nobody has a job, not even the government. And it's just an AI saying, "Hey guys, you need to plant more bananas." Like, or not even it just goes off and plants more bananas. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, That's there's, there's examples where there's examples where weird shits going on, like um. Yeah. I read this article about how there's these oranges that are grown in California and then they're shipped yeah. to China and then China like packs them, converts them into jam and then they're shipped to, like back to California and then they sell it. <laughs> and that sounds stupid. And, you know, I think I've heard of cases yeah, like that. And maybe that. if you and had like an like... AI controlling it, they would say like, uh, no, let's just build, let's just build a packing factory in, in California <laughs> yeah. and then we'll save yeah, a bunch yeah. of money. Um, I mean, like, what does education look at that point, right? Like, what is yeah. it's like you're not gonna get a job. There's no point. You're you we're educating you. Run around. Everyone goes like <laughs> running around. Some people just eat lots of food, get really fat. Everyone's just playing video games all the time. The AI is like making new video games. You're like these fucking games are sick. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like you're like playing starcraft 2 today and then <laughs> next week you're playing starcraft 3 you're like wow they made that fast <laughs> <laughs> and they're like how I mean, much is it it's like oh it's free you're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell would you do oh i mean i feel like i feel like part of the answer here is tribalism right it's like you're gonna see like because we're already seeing it and we see it like all all throughout life even without ai it's just like different people resonate or they've they knit into communities and so even with ai or without ai like i feel like humans are all always be about like social creatures right um and they'll they'll have shared value systems 
and for you. they'll start to break away, <laughs> except for me. And my, my value system's that wrong. Um, it's like writing people gratitude letters. What are you doing? You disgust me, Jason. Um, yeah, like, uh, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it might branch off, or like, I was even thinking the other day, right? Like, even, this would be a hard question. Like, say, you're in a hospitality industry or say like you're in a nursing home, I could see situations where people don't want AI. Like they just want a physical real person Man, I think, yeah, to I be think with. The nursing home is a situation where you do want AI because um, you can get treated quite badly by you a person so? in a nursing home. Oh, yeah. Like under this context, I mean like you probably still have an AI that would do all like the the dirty stuff and the heavy no, lifting but I, I, you and stuff. Know, one, but like, yeah, you could... In, in that situation, you might even have an AI that's, like, giving you uh, social interactions. I mean, I even built an application that provides people with social app- social uh, interactions in an automated way. But I think... I mean, like, that's the case, but I'd say that's the minority of users. Like, you're finding a mm-hmm. tribe of people who are looking... Like, they're intimidated or... They're looking to get outside of the normal socializing experience. Whereas if everyone is within... Like, I'd say maybe Facebook is the closest example of this, right? Where it's like everyone was on Facebook and it actually just made everyone miserable, right? Like, they weren't actually forming real communities. Yep. Like, um, like everyone just thought everyone else had it better or something. Or like, I don't even know why. Like, I think... I've heard half of people, uh, um, a bunch of people mention why yeah, they thought... I, for me, I think it, it was, was like making when they started miserable. optimizing for engagement. Um, you know, they just show you stuff that you're more likely to uh, comment on or like. And then... Do you feel like... Yeah, because once upon a time, Facebook... I don't know. Like, maybe it's not right, but early days of Facebook, it was just chronological order, what your friends posted. And then they switched yeah. it to like stuff they thought you might be interested in and it got a lot worse like i i don't know like yeah it's just like it is one of the most hated companies at yeah, the moment for sure. like um, now when i look at it and it just, does i don't even know like it's like i'm on my facebook now one is like um a group and they're like somebody selling a table another one's like an ad for zero and then there's a second guy and he's selling i don't even know what it looks like a tool cabinet and then my friend updated her profile picture <laughs> are you on marketplace no, it's, it's <laughs> right. and then here's no. like a picture of a goanna actually that's kind of cool and then uh <laughs> people i don't yeah. really know seems like they got married who is this right. person? <laughs> like you know <laughs> then here's an ad right. for um a watch maybe i don't know what it is so i heard today i think they said facebook posted the first quarter ever where they lost yep. users so I think it makes sense, right? They probably hit saturation, people are falling off. I don't think there's any pull for it. Um, and also, do you think, like, how much of it would you blame, say, like, Facebook or Zuckerberg for, like, epically, like, say, like, I feel like there was a massive opportunity there, right? Like, you kind of had the whole world in your hands, like, in a way, like, the social... The social fabric of the yep. world, to some degree, right? And you somehow made everyone miserable. Like, where, like all the world, it feels like, in a digital age, 
Like, I don't know if it's just now. Maybe it didn't exist before, but it's like people are yearning for community mm. um, and connection. Like, or maybe it's just because we've been, we've gone so long without it now that we've forgotten what that means. Like, like people going out into the real world and doing real things with real people. And I don't know, like... I'm trying to think, like, because I'm pretty sure, like, no, that that exists, right? Like, there are definitely online communities that have that sense of inclusion that I'm not sure Facebook ever presented as well for people. Like, it was weird to, like, you're kind of present, but also, like, isolated at the same time. But maybe that's still some of these online communities kind of have that feeling. Like, maybe there's something we need, like, through physical, like, um to be physically near people I think it was great at the start I think I don't know at the start when it was quite cool to be on Facebook I thought it was really good because um, right. a lot of my friends I think it's true for everyone but I got on Facebook in university and then it was cool to see what my friends were up to you know and then right. I guess I don't know what went wrong but I guess I started adding people that I don't really know and I don't <laughs> care what they're up to well, that was it. It's, it was just well, for like, like it's not cool to post anymore. Yeah, right. Um, just that podcast. <laughs> That's it. Otherwise, it's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel you can tell me. Am I reading too much into this? Like maybe I'm going with the like the community thing. I just feel like whenever we break down any of these walls, I feel like that's where you end up coming back to or like where that's the division is. Or is that just like today's Yeah, it might be community. I I think a a big problem is just as you get older, you become worse at making friends. That's true. That's true. But is it even harder in today's society with like if you're digitally connected? No, but like you, you, I that, can't imagine you might retain your friends digitally with digital connections, but you don't make new ones, right? When was the last time you went on to? <laughs> I don't know. Um, like a meeting a friend no, in a game? No, 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 no. Like is that uh, yeah, impossible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Making a friend in a game, not meeting a friend in a game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, making a friend in a game. I don't know. I'm sure people do it. it I. I I don't know if I've ever met a friend in a game. Yeah, I like don't think so either. But like, even like when you're being like nice and positive, like because games are designed to be like these short intervals, right? Like you see them for two seconds and maybe you're like, "Hey, man!" Like you just because you don't know them, they're just like random synonymous people. Anonymous. And even if you are they synonymous or anonymous? Synonymous. It depends on the gamer tag. Yeah, like if you have a gamer tag, like you could say oh. like Nasu could be like synonymous, right? Because um, like it's probably close enough that you could probably work out who I am. I'm not sure. I, I'm probably using it wrong. We'll just go with anonymous, right? Um, that you have all these people, and even in the rare cases where you have like actually a really good game and you're like vibing with someone, the game's just over and you go into the next lobby. Like I don't know how often I've thought you know what, I'm going to reach out to that guy. Oh, that's not true. There's been a couple of games where you'll roll with a couple of guys for a couple of times. Um, but I don't think it ever turned into a real friendship. And maybe that's just on me. <laughs> um, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's the same for me. There's people where I played games with them for like multiple days to weeks, but I never... 
I don't think I met anyone. Like, I never met anyone in person that I knew from a game. I don't think. But I have, like, met people that I kind of met online. Like, um, I hired an animator to help me with some games, and then I actually went over to visit them. Um, they were in, they were in the Philippines. I think there's something about repeated contact that's maybe necessary, and then, like, being able to break through that initial, um, thing, like, that initial first contact to be able to, like, bond with each other or resonate with each other. Yesterday, I, uh, it's not even yesterday, it was, like, 3 a.m. this morning, but I got an email, (laughs) this guy was like, please, hey, I want to use you, please call me. I love this story. And I was like, okay, so I called him up and he was like, yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure your app's not, you know, doing anything dodgy with the data. So I told him what we do with the data, which is nothing. And then we delete it. And um, he was like, okay, cool. Um, And we talked a bit and he said, yeah, man, if you ever come to, he's from Houston. He said, if you ever come to Houston, uh, I'll take you out for dinner. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks, man. (laughs) This is cool. That's the other thing. Yeah, it was really cool, right? Like, and essentially, you could see that turning into a friendship, right? Like, if you go to Houston and you contact this guy, like, that becomes a yeah. friendship. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. It just hasn't happened online. I have to ask more of my gamer friends. You can ask some of yours, because this is like another part that I actually wanted to talk to you. And maybe we'll do it in the next episode or some future episode. Is like, the game I want to build, I want to somehow tie philosophy yeah. into it. And while it, like, might initially sound like a bit of a gag prospect because I don't think it's been maybe done or well, or if it has been done, then I'm just not aware of it. Um, and not, like, to the high degree that we discuss it, but, like, just saying, like, can you do say, like, can you explore the idea of gratitude within a game? Like, I think potentially a game might be a better media for this in a way. Like, in the way that we walk through a thought experiment of, like, how you would get annoyed at your friend, depending on how late they are, or if it's different mm-hmm. people. I'm like, that's a kind of an interactive scenario, right? Um, and potentially, you get people to explore these kind of ideas, like, in not so bland or a confronting way, maybe. Like, it could be little things um, that actually have just a bigger effect on the plot than, like, players realize. Um yeah, so I'm, like, thinking about that. But also, like, in the regards of, like, could you make a game that encouraged... Like, because I'm starting to think along these lines, right? It's, like, society's so fractured. We're all just, like, fighting each other over... Like, we don't even know what we're fighting each other over anymore. Or, like, some of the things we're fighting each other over are actually, like, the small things. Like, they're not even the real problems. Um, like, people just are outraged over everything. Um and I'm wondering, it's like, could you make a game that actually made, like, it did the opposite of what, maybe, of that, right? Which is, like, actually glues society back together a little bit. Like, it just, like, not, like, wholly, but if it just, like, did a, a little bit. <laughs> um, and, like, say, just, like, from that perspective, you say, like, if we under- identify a simple problem, you go, okay, online games are huge, but why is no one able to make online anonymous friends? Like, why is that? And then we go, like, you come up with a couple of theories. And you just go, okay, we think that, um, we think that, like, there are some opportunities, but you just never, like, play together with that person again. Like, could you 
actually incentivize your matchmaking system to just pair you with someone like more often and like even just show stats where they'd helped you in certain situations or instead of like play of the game it's like you know protector of the game or something i don't know like this guy like helped out his buddy or he did some i don't know like how you would do it right i'm just like spitballing ideas no, it's a cool idea um I, I don't know how you would do it either but i also am quite interested in this area maybe not for a game but yeah i think what other media type would you apply well, it to? I was though? thinking, you know how like there's these dating apps and you can like meet people, like random people online. So like a Tinder yeah, variant, Tinder or whatever, right? Like, and people are yeah. quite comfortable with meeting, um, like a random person to go on a date. It's just because you're attractive, yeah. Angus. <laughs> <laughs> See, everyone else on the listening is like, "God damn you, Angus!" No, <laughs> Get anyway, Tinder people dates. are okay with it, right? It's yeah, just became normal. Yeah, but it's not normal yep, to yep. meet a. <laughs> a random person and like be their friend right You're like hey man like you wouldn't right. go on it's you feel there's something wrong with it like if you went onto an app and you said ah this guy looks cool let's get a beer together You're like uh i thought i read an article the other day that said people were using tinder to meet friends yeah yeah there, there are like um, there's this app called bumble which is kind of uh it's also it's a dating app but it also has this uh, feature where you can make friends do you know what? I feel like that should be one of our next challenges for a podcast. We're both going to like friend. jump on like a make friends. Yeah, we're going to be like make a new friend. That's a cool idea, Chase. Um, I like that. Or like, I feel like it might have to be in like different categories. Like maybe, maybe we could do like a a thing like at the end of an episode or the beginning of an episode. We'll say like what the challenge we're we're doing over the next couple of days or week or something is, and then we'll like talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, that would be cool. So yeah. like maybe it's like, I like that idea. We have to like we have to make a friend in an online game. This is gonna be so hard for you. Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, <laughs> Why? I play I play games with Angus, and you were such a troll. Like I don't know. Like yeah, you just I write a lot. Like yeah, <laughs> you do. Most of the time when I play games, I'm just writing messages. Uh, I'm like too nice. Everyone's like just like shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I Today, think yeah, everybody had more luck than me. This guy just called everyone a loser. Whenever they died, he would call them yeah. a loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the hell's wrong with this? Guy? I don't think I talked to him at all. I guess I was talking to you. I would. Wait, um, and he, no, he called you a loser when you died too. But he was just. I was like, "What the hell's wrong with this guy?" It's just a, like, I. Yeah, he was. He was weird. It's interesting because, like, I feel like so I picked up with some like a lot of real life activities lately. Um, I actually made a fair few new friends like that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was surprised by that, but yeah, like I, it's interesting. Like I've made more friends <laughs> over the last like two or three months than I probably made um, online for like years, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, th- there's got to be something there. Um, is it like even like being in high school or uni, right? Like it's just natural because you're just around people all the time. We had a, quite a cool thing. Uh, you go on. We had like this. Jason and I studied computer science and there was this lab Jason studied games technology but I just did non-game technology computer science <laughs> was this, so sorry <laughs> nothing <okay. laughs> it was this uh, specific computer lab for the games technology students and what they did at the university was like ah we'll buy powerful computers where are you going to go with this <laughs> <laughs> it was like we got to buy powerful computers with graphics cards yeah, yeah. so the game set kids can um, code their games because they're going to you know, need to 
Yeah, we got to study, so yeah, man. They're going to need to create games with accelerated <laughs> engines. Um, but instead, everyone just yeah. went in there <laughs> games on those computers. And we, it, was it was the best. Crazy. It was the and best. I remember, like, uh, the that, like, there were rooms around the original game site room, and there were, you know, people were having tutorials or whatever in there, and we were just in the game, <laughs> just yeah. shouting. It's like, <laughs> screaming. Just screaming yeah. at each other, just shouting, and like, you know, teachers from the other oh. class would be like, what the hell is this room? <laughs> they have to be some of the fondest memories, I think. The funniest thing lab. was like a, te- like a lecturer from, I don't know, like, a teaching or whatever would come in and be like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, this is the Games Tech Lab. We're game developers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we didn't even know you had this course. So why are you guys so noisy? It's like, we're, you know, we're just playing some games. We're what having fun. <laughs> we're having fun. Like, she was just like, why the hell did the university make a room for these nerds to play video <laughs> games all day? It was funny. It's like, the groups that make the most noise is like people partying and probably gamers. Yeah, like gamers in a room together are like insanely we loud. Play? We played um, oh. I played Dota sometimes. We played. I don't think we ever played random custom maps on yeah, Warcraft War 3. Three. Lots of those. Um, just any time there was a game, we would <laughs> somebody would pirate it and put it on a USB stick and pass it around. Then we'd all play. It. I don't remember that happening that often. It was mostly custom games because we were all no, poor there, there was, um, undergrads. I think in in first year for me before you joined, we played like all sorts of weird games like Tribes, and somebody even wanted to play. Uh, there's this game called Total Annihilation, which is just such a crap game. There right. was another RTS which just killed computers. Um, I think you played like more variants of games. Yeah, I just we played, yeah. We played I think so it was mostly custom games. games. Uh, and I, <laughs> I just mostly hated the games. Yeah, anytime there was a game with multiplayer, we tried it. And for a while, everyone was playing um, Skyrim, which is a single-player game. But everyone would go into... I remember playing it in a games lab, just playing home, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy energy. It was crazy high energy. And, like, where, yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, I came from a background where it was, like, no one was really a gamer around my, like, high school. Not for me, we had um, lots of gamers in my high school. Oh, okay, right. I had, like very few or none and then going to uni and it was like oh my god everyone else is a computer geek this is amazing <laughs> um yeah no it was really really the, fun the other funny thing was like um, everyone was well not everyone but all a lot of the the students were from like country new south wales so like they were just oh that's they true just yeah game at home and they probably in the same situation didn't know any, any other gamers and then when you go to yeah. uni just in a in a course full of other gamers everyone just went nuts yo <laughs> it was good vibes I remember uh, those lecturers looking at us like what the hell is going on in here <laughs> you could tell they would like go to some meeting the next day and be like yeah I went to this like there was this lab and all these guys were in there and they're just playing games and they're just shouting all day and then somebody was like yeah that's the games tech lab those guys are game developers they're allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was surprised. It's like, why? Yeah. That was so uh, fun. Getting kicked out by security when it's too late. It's like, okay, guys, seriously, get out. It's like, oh, it's that time. 
<laughs> it's like every night they start to know your name at that point. You're like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. All right. So it's <laughs> AI and um, yeah, trickling into the games course at Chelster. Yeah, it's good. Um. All right. So. <laughs> you got anything else you want to add, Agus? I think we've covered the topic. Yeah, we well. did a good job. I think that's enough. We did an excellent job. This podcast is definitely on the rails, guys. This is exactly what we planned. Yep. Um, all right, cool, cool. Uh, so we're gonna do. Remember, you got to do like the right letter thing. Uh, two two letters for the week, and then we'll revisit that later. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.